You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Hello, listeners. It's your new friend, Philip Mata's here to advertise in your ears. If you're looking for a good read, I would highly recommend a book that I wrote. It's called The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air, and it's a funny and exciting mystery, which is the first in my Psychic Barber Mysteries series. It is the story of Danica Lumen, a struggling hairstylist who also has secret psychic abilities. Normally, she touches the heads of her customers to see just what type of styles they want, but things go sideways in her life when she touches the head of a new customer and sees a dead body. The murderous haircut of the mayor of Bel Air has collected tons of five and four star reviews, and it would like to collect one from you as well. So just search for Murderous Haircut Philip to find my homepage and learn where best to buy your copy of your next favorite book, The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air. And now, back to the show. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. It's a, is it a happy, have you ever had a happy Sunday? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can you mm-hmm. recall a Sunday that's been happy? Yeah. Like, right. Okay. I let's can. go. Off the what top is- of my head. Um, I, last summer, when we had a little, we, we were having, lots of people were getting vaccinated mm-hmm. and we were in between waves of covid mm-hmm. uh, but people were still masking uh i'm like now <sighs> anyway um but last summer in august i got to go home for a few weeks to visit family and i me and my sister and a cousin of ours arranged for a bunch of family members to meet outside at a park and do a cookout and it Amazing. was like both sides of my mom's side my dad's side it was in new jersey but like just across the river so the new york family could easily come and that was a happy Sunday. It was really nice. That's amazing. Was this some was a cookout something that your family would do in general prior to the pandemic, or was it like this is gonna we're gonna make this happen because we haven't seen each other because of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, growing up, we had cookouts pretty often during the summer, especially. I love that. I love that. I don't think we ever did anything like that. We always had like a bunch of food in my family. And like when like the, the the Italian side of the family would come in from New Jersey, we'd be in the kitchen the whole time. But it was never mm-hmm. like twenty five members of the family. Although we could do something like that. What was mm-hmm. what was like so so like anyway? We're gonna talk about who you are. I can't wait. Most people who if they know me, they likely know who you are. Um, but before we even introduce what you do, you have a lot of uh, food you know, things that you can't eat. Are there Mm -hmm. things that you remember that you'd like to eat that you were able to update a recipe for at the cookout or like, like, yeah, tell Mm -hmm. me about it. Oh yeah. So at this particular cookout, I brought a pack of gluten-free hot dog buns because I knew I wanted a hot dog. (laughs) Yeah. I (laughs) love that. I think I also maybe, it was either hot hot dog buns that I used as a burger bun or it was burger buns that I used as a hot dog, like something. But I bought one pack of something so I could use them for whatever meat 
uh, thing. It you really know. is just the shape, ultimately, right? Because like a like a big burger and, is a yeah. hot dog bun, essentially. I knew that I would probably be the only one eating gluten free things by necessity at the cookout, so I didn't want to get like burger buns and hot dogs. So I just got one and I used it for both. <laughs> That's great. So. But so yeah, you were like definitely sh- looking forward to the experience that you had had previously as like, I really want a hot dog. I know I'm yeah. going to want one. Like, because mm-hmm. I associate food with settings too. Like my mom was not the best cook, but I love how my mother cooks. So if I'm going to have mm-hmm. her make that meal, if I'm going to go to her house, I want that meal. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm going to go, you know to such and such, I want a lemonade as opposed to a Coke or, you know, like I look forward or if it's like, I'm not doing a really great example <laughs> of explaining myself, but if it's, so like if it's Thanksgiving, there is one thing I got to mm-hmm. have. Yes. And, and that is a setting. And even if it's going to be vegan, I it better damn well be real close. To yeah, it. absolutely. Oh, so you were like hot dog. I wanted a hot dog. And yeah. burger. I and love my that. hot dog is, I put mustard and sauerkraut on it. That's my hot dog. What? That's my favorite combo on a hot dog. Don't at me. I Actually, got... do at me, and I'll tell you why you're wrong if you don't think that's. They, a good I mean, combo. they would be wrong because that, that sounds no. fantastic. I'm sorry. Oh, they, they would... would be wrong. Got it. Hello. I'm not <laughs> trying to. I'm fight. ready to defend my hot Clearly, dog. Clearly, I'm not trying to fight with you. This. It's actually so sauerkraut and mustard. You're just missing like Thousand Island dressing and making it a Reuben. I'm just saying oh, it's, not, Reuben. it's not. Yeah, un- it's not. It's not. Like you're doing something normal. It's not like you're insane. Mm-hmm. But how? Who? Who taught you that? Probably Is that a New York dad? Probably. I don't know, but it's probably my dad who kind of pointed me in that direction. My dad also. I remember growing up, uh, a a snack thing we would have, or I would have with my dad or something. This now this will sound gross, and if you at me, I understand. Let's your go. outrage. Let's do. I it. understand. <laughs> it's a piece of bread. No, oh, no. With mayo and garlic. Uh, powder and then a hot dog. Use that as the hot dog bun, and it's put a hot dog on it. That doesn't sound horrible. It it was really good. <laughs> it doesn't sound horrible. So this is that's that's the East Coast influence. So like my uncle, I didn't know this because we did, we had um, like California pizza, and I never went to New York. California and pizza. We have to talk about that, but I want to hear this. Yes. Well, I just hadn't had California pizza is not New York pizza. It's not okay. the same thing. Okay. You go to a, a slice. To get a slice in New York, it's not the same experience. Mm-hmm. And until I had gone to New York as an adult, I didn't understand that. And so my uncle, when I went to New York for the first time, he said, "Put just go get red chili flakes and garlic powder, yeah. and that's it." Yep, yep. And I'm like, "What? Well, but why did no one teach me this before?" Mm-hmm. Also, like, but because it is a different experience. The garlic yeah. powder just melts into the oil. Mm-hmm. It. And you don't need anything else. You need it. just yeah. a cheese pizza, and you're good. And it, they were right. It, yeah. I can't, I can't recreate that experience out here. Mm-hmm. That's and that's what I mean by California pizza. Like there's a mm-hmm. couple places that do a decent New York thing, but I really do vow that it's the water and that it's the climate and yeah. all that. It makes it a whole different experience. And also how fresh they are because people are constantly <sighs> buying pizza in New York, so they're always coming out with fresh slice, fresh slice, like constantly there are places in la and other cities that try to do the new york style but literally they have slices sitting out there all day and you're like no that's not, new it's york. not the it's same like thing sitting there co- coagulating that's not good that's it's not, not good. The, and you can only melt mozzarella so many Once. times yeah yeah 
yeah. <laughs> until it's that first fresh experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's got to be it too, Elisa. I've never put it together. Anyway, Elisa Pearl, I couldn't be <laughs> more thrilled. Here's the saddest part. What? You were my first female guest on this podcast really? ever. But you only started having guests recently, right? Yes and but. Before, <laughs> well, I mean like guests to, to fill the void of... Mm-hmm. Nick Masu and his adorable baby, who apparently mm. still doesn't have a name two and a half weeks, three weeks okay. later. Interesting. Um, That's not that uncommon. No, no, no. I just, cultures. we talked about his, no, no, it's not a bad thing. They are, they want that baby to name himself. Aww. It's like, cause their first child kind of did that. They had a name floating and this baby, mm-hmm. they're just trying to get the, get the vibe. Yeah. I just I say it that way because we have been talking about the child's name for months oh. on the podcast. So mm-hmm. it's we're, I'm just dying to know mm-hmm. what this baby is named. So we had Nick's uh, friend from middle school, high school on up, who was part of this amazing story that Nick told us one week of going over the border to Juarez and partying as high schoolers. I have cats. That was a cat noise. He's being frisky. Um, You know that, though. So they would go over to Juarez and rent out clubs and charge, like, $5 all beer nights and shit. Like, as high schoolers. What? It's insane. And it was an amazing story. And then we had to have Sammy Nassar come in, one of his buds, like, one of the OG buds of 96 or whatever they were called, to, to corroborate this Insane story. Was Nick story. Masu in a gang? No, but <laughs> sort of. Like <laughs> he was. Why are they so called he, the? What are they called? Ninety six. The buds of ninety six like, or ninety four. The what of ninety six? The buds of oh ni- so. Oh you, if you got a flyer from the buds of ninety four or ninety six oh or something, you knew God. whose party you were going to over at Juarez, and and so like Nick. Nick is the youngest of. Of four brothers too, so he had a lot of like runway to like be cool. Anyway, mm-hmm. you would make a hundred bucks, and kids would be getting shit faced, and then they go back over wow. the board. Anyway, it's a fucking insane story. And and Sammy Nassar, the sweetest guy you ever met, met, our first guest. We've also had like a crypto guy come on, and that was interesting. And uh, it seemed like he believed in new world order a lot. It was or, <laughs> or like afraid of new like uh, like basically it was like the first time we had to say our views are not. Shared. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's ask this person questions. He was fascinating, nonetheless. There was no, there was like no tension. I just really was interested in what he had to say. Mm-hmm. And then the the we had we had Nick Clark come on talk about NFTs. Um, and then we had um, I know so far this is very NFT heavy. It is. You know why? <laughs> because Nick Masu knows a lot about cryptocurrency, and he's yeah. not as negative on it as sure. other people are. I don't love talking about it because i know that a lot of people don't like talking about it and the actually strangely a big contingency of our listeners don't want to hear that talk mm-hmm. and we also have we also had ian gottler so like what the thing is like it's a lot of bros a lot of tech mm-hmm. no not really not tech bros but like guys who knows know stuff about nfts have been on this podcast because very early on Nick was like, oh, this is one thing I do know because this whole podcast is I don't know shit, but I know <laughs> cryptocurrency. So I'm just being nice by letting him listen, like, <laughs> talk about, we have Crypto Corner. But, but you know, oh, at the same time, yeah, it's been interesting to learn about it as opposed mm-hmm. to being like, 
you know, no, no fly zone. Cause mm. in some ways it is, even if it's bad or good, it's kind of good to have some knowledge around it. And that's really been my approach mm-hmm. to it. What, tell me about this. What is that? Why I want to know why people don't like it. What is the environmental impact of it? So, um, it's still really hard for me to wrap my brain around. Anyway, you're the first female. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm glad to, uh, help, uh, you know, just cleanse this podcast space of all the male crypto <laughs> NFT energy that has been here. Let's have let's talk about our periods, you know, like I'm just so like... ready. <laughs> right, let's talk about the birth control I just signed up for. They're they're concerned that a family member of mine had a blood clot. So they want to do a pro estrogen oh, thing. OK, uh, so I have no idea what that means. Interesting. But, um. But yeah, it is interesting. You did also write an amazing anti-NFT article that I thought was very and like very. It was very gentle on like not go fuck yourself if you like an <laughs> NFT, but like here's ten ways you can support people. Yeah, like right now. And I thought that was really awesome. Thank you. I really liked that article. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so I, and to be clear, I am a person who learned about NFTs early-ish on when people were starting to get into them. And I also had a really great convo with Nick Clark about NFTs too early on. Um, but where I, uh, do not like them is that (laughs) there are so many artists, yes, who could be and, and maybe are making money from NFTs. But there are all these middlemen and women and people who are, I think, crowding the space. They are taking just the investment aspect, just the money aspect, just the the stuff that honestly is more scammy. They're making that the focal point and not the art itself. Mm. Um, so I'm not anti the idea of selling uh, digital art pieces that are unique and blah, blah, blah. Even though I still think I'm like, okay, well, we have art that is unique and you don't need to uh, Make 10,000 of yeah. them. Yeah. And also you don't need to like have these giant servers in the middle of uh, places that are ecologically already kind of like um, struggling and have those servers be draining resources from local communities. We already have a system. We already have systems to support artists. So why do we need NFTs to be this big investment scheme? We we don't. And they're actually causing environmental harm. They're making people rich who probably don't deserve to be rich off of this particular thing. Mm. Um, I also read also early on, actually, maybe not that early on, maybe like six months ago, read that big article. I think it was a blog article by an artist who had created the first template for the monkey thing, Bay, whatever it's called, Bay Cities. Board no, ape. no, something ape. Yeah, the board ape, board ape, board ape club yeah. or whatever it's called. She made the initial template for that. Those what? the people who hired her paid her maybe I think three thousand, four thousand. I don't, I don't even know. If she actually has come out with the amount, but it's something like that. Uh, something that as an artist, yeah, okay, that's a nice chunk of money that's to a make a template of, of something. Sure. But they didn't offer her any residuals or any percentages of what their sales would be. And they have sold millions of those te- wow. things based on those template and wow. that template and didn't tell her what their intention was for it. So that's where I'm like, yeah, no, 
I want that, that artist to make that the money. That actually is fucked But I don't up. want these fucking investment assholes to make the money off of artists and make it. And then that's when I also get on board with people who are like, they're creating this like false scarcity. They're um, they're scamming people into they're trying to flip nfts like it's just yeah that's the stuff that i then am on board with people who are hardcore against it but i don't want you to think that i w- i've just been against it because of people being against it like i actually was i was like kind of down for it early on as long as it was done ethically and with the artist being the center point and making the money from it but that has not been the case yeah. and we're like how many we're like two and a half years into nfts existing and it's already this corrupt fuck that man Scrap it. Just start from scratch. I I don't care for it. And it's it's just too easy for it to be corrupted. So I'm good. And I don't I don't think you can scrap it at this point. It is an engine that is it it could also I think it could die, though. I think think that that's more likely. Yeah. But I think what ends up happening, though, is that model now exists in people's minds and they can create something different if it does die. Like, yeah, it's like. Good or for good or for worse, I guess, is my point. Here's the thing. The model actually did already exist in a way. If you think about video games and different like video game type platforms like Roblox, which is not a good example because it's Roblox. Not. Is Roblox, Roblox? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't care. How to I don't know. I we we, <laughs> I don't we make a pronounce it properly. We make it a joke in um on Twitch when we say something like maybe like questionable. We go, oh yeah, yeah in Roblox, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, fuck it, and nothing matters. Let's. Uh, I don't on. care. I um <laughs> I have watched some YouTube videos about how fucked up that platform is. However, you pronounce it, it is fucked. It is draining children of their money and their labor. It is fucked. So things like Roblox or Roblox and also just regular video games that we know and love, the ones that have marketplaces where you can buy certain armor and buy a skin for your character and all that stuff, those are basically like proto-NFTs, right? You're you're paying actual real-world money to enter this marketplace that is just digital goods. Sure. Yet you can't. I can't sell my skin, but that's I can't. the difference now. And what that's I'm where buying, NFTs have kind of like it's right. almost like if you think. I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, Not at all. If you think about like um, the difference between. Um, I mean, it's not even that big of a leap to make this this analogy. But if you think about like the virtual world, when you bring something from the virtual world into the real world and try to give it the same value, when it being in the virtual world in that context is what gives it value because you have your own little like marketplace and social relationships there. But now you're trying to pull that, yank that out of virtual spaces and give it real world value when there are real world things that have that same value, like right. actual art pieces there are plays, there are podcasts, there are films that people make that you can invest in. If you want to own a film, I don't know, pay me $100,000 and I'll make you an awesome 30-minute film with my friends. Actually, right. that price tag is going to go up after this is published. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, like Makes I, sense. Just, I just wish, sorry, you got me on a rant now, so I'm just going to finish the rant. Great, let's, no, we're doing it. I've got, this is the whole point of the podcast. <laughs> well, I just wish... That these investment bros and girls and whoever they are out there, if you're listening, I wish they would find this create ways like the way that they've gotten into NFTs and gotten real creative with them on how to make money from them. I wish they would care about um, getting this creative with making art and working with artists to make art and investing in us. Um, And I also can say the same thing about uh, supporting uh, nonprofits 
and NGOs around the world. But I'm also giving them the benefit of the doubt that, listen, it's their money. They can do what they want with it. And I'm assuming if you're buying NFTs, I'm really fucking assuming you've already been donating to a nonprofit on a regular basis and you've already staked, you know, put your stake in the ground about causes that matter to you. And if you're not, then really fuck you. <laughs> I so love this. That's, that's my rant about NFTs. I love, this. I love this so much. <laughs> so here's where my, not my stance, but my approach to learning about this and then hearing from a couple of our guests um, they're not not aware of all the these traps and pitfalls of it. And so a lot of the 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 words that they use or the platforms that they use, they're all trying to mitigate the the negative impacts. Like I use a platform that is neutral, carbon neutral, etc, which you know, is also questionable, but everyone isn't people aren't unaware of the impact, but they're like kind of, either putting blinders on until it gets better Mm. and participating in it or trying to support a platform that's doing its best to mitigate, let's just say, the climate impact or the global impact on on the resources. The other... Which which that's good to know, right? Like, you just can't exist in a a vacuum and not be aware of the, the pitfalls. There are also support... Like, there are artists that just got smart and or not smart or just go you know what i'm not going to make fungible things i'm going to go make non-fungible things for the time being and make money that way and that is one way to make money as an artist and they are there are actual artists and then there's also people that are scamming people absolutely then the other thing well uh, two more things when i talk about nfts or when i talk about crypto i want to come from it I see a lot of people going, I just hate NFTs. I just hate it. I just hate it. And I question how much they've learned about it. You Mm. learned about it. You have a well-formed opinion. You're researched. You know what you're talking about. A lot of people, and lop this into cancel culture, which it's not cancel culture, but a lot of people say, oh, well, fuck that person. They said that one thing. You know, we're done here. Mm. Did you just see an article that said NFTs are bad for the environment, or did you read it? Or did you learn about it? Etc. So I wanted to do my best to not just outright say this was a bad thing before mm-hmm. I formed my opinion because I have a tendency to form my opinion before I have knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I have to mitigate that. Well, uh, I also want to just say, like, it's not bad to also listen to that first gut instinct, too. Like, sure. that's not a bad thing. Sure. Um, I think in defense of the people who are just like, well, I don't like them, I Sometimes I think if you see so many people who you in other ways are on board with like their opinion, their opinions and how they make decisions and how they view the world, then sometimes the evidence is out there and you're like, well, honestly, yeah, if they're against it, then I'm probably going to be against it, too. I do think I agree with you. I think they should still do their own research and find out the why's um, and and, you know, let it's OK to change your opinion too. like if you're like, oh, these five people who I respect and admire on Twitter are against NFTs. But now I've read about it and I'm not as much. That's fine, too. But I, I also yeah, I think going with your gut instinct is not a bad thing. Also, I wanted to also say a couple more things like when I first first heard about NFTs, it was in a, a negative light, but it was specifically like a year ago or more, maybe. Seeing um, some artists 
have their art stolen and turned into NFTs without their consent. Oh, fuck. That was my first knowledge of NFTs. And then seeing, and actually it was during when we were doing Slay and we were putting out all this artwork and I was like, well, I don't want my Slay artwork to be stolen and made into NFTs. So I started blocking all these like NFT accounts and I started seeing lists of people to block, people who were like potentially making NFTs and stuff like that. So I just started blocking NFT people right there before I knew really what they were besides the fact that I knew it was like, you know, taking art and making it into a non-fungible piece, piece of digital artwork. That's all I knew about it. And it was already a negative thing. So wow. that was the first impression I got. And then I did learn about it more. And I was like, well, it could be good if X, Y, and Z are in place to protect the artists. And so the artists are the ones making the bulk of the money. And guess who's making the bulk of the money? Not artists. Right. right so fuck right. NFTs. That's my TED Talk. Word. The <laughs> last part I'll say, too, is I. you're right that why don't we have this energy port to put towards other things? And one of our guests was really... Um, all about the community aspect. And mm. I do believe that, so there's like discords that are created around upcoming NFTs and things that are about to get minted, which does then inflate, the, the idea is to curry interest and inflate, you know, uh, yeah. the entry price. Mm. No one's going to sell past this point. That being said, I do think it also has provided community for people that didn't have community, but some of those people are suckers. Some of them are good. Mm -hmm. Some of these communities are good. Some of them are bad. But like anything, you're, you will have good. You will have people that are trying to push good. But mm -hmm. I didn't understand that there was a whole community aspect around it. I have a question. Are, yeah. uh, and actually, it might not be an answerable question right now, but sure. next time you talk to any of these NFT people or crypto people, sure, can you just ask them, like, why did you get into it? Like, what, what do you hope to get out of it? And uh, were you were you just, like, looking for something to get into? Like, like I just am curious about how they My have guess become is money. so My popular. guess is money. Well, then, yeah, there you go. Okay. But, but, but then, like, I, I did genuinely believe one of them when they were like, the community aspect has been amazing. I have friends now that I didn't know I was going to have. And mm -hmm. I think in COVID... Like, I think you do have this, you know, like super bloom because of COVID where people are dying for co like connection. Yeah, yeah. So I think that it's not like a, it's probably like 20% good, 80% bad, if, <laughs> if that's the case. Anyway, Aliza Pearl, we're going to do a, we're going to put a commercial here and then we're going to learn who you are because okay. I'll put, I'll tell people this is all NFTs. Don't listen to it if you don't want to, but, it's, <laughs> but you're so right. Like it's. Listening to your gut is so important. And then investigating if you need to further, great. Uh, I'll see you on the other side of the commercial. Hi, I'm Jessica Lynn Verde. And I'm Mike Richards. And we're the hosts of Mission Log, The Orville. We look at every episode to break it down from messages, morals, and meanings. We'll be with you every step of the way from episode one to season three when it premieres on Hulu on June 2nd. You can find our show everywhere you listen to podcasts or you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com. We'll see you in the stars. Not if I see you first. <laughs>
Aliza Pearl, I know you as a talented actor, as a talented singer, as a talented improviser, as a talented director, as a pretty lady, as as, as a nerd, as a TTRPGer, as as an activist, and like I could keep keep going. Oh, I know you as Rhonda. I know you as <laughs> Captain Georgia Thompson, Thompson, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember it. Um, and as Monica, um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, Chamblay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chamblain, Doctor Monica Chamblain. Ah, all these and Rhonda. So many amazing people. You have you embody so many amazing people. Um, and at the same time, too, personally, not only being one of my closest friends of all time, you also have an essence that is familial to me, too. You remind me of the bees in my family, my grandmother and my aunt. You have like a softness in their voice in that anyway. So there's just and you taught me so much about life. Thank you for being on the podcast. My God. I mean, Jessica. Yeah. How is my ego not ginormous just because, because of you? You know that these things are true and you don't need it to inflate your ego. That's like the best. Okay. So we're, we're humans with insecurities. We all are. And I'm finding this paradox of A, knowing that I'm pretty awesome, but then B, having this insecurity that's saying, are you? Like, oh, God, it's the worst, right? It, it, well, yes and no, because I do like the being brought down to earth aspect. Oh, I see. Okay. But In a healthy way. I, yeah, sort I of. That. It's just kind of fucking insane. Staying that, humble. Yeah. Yes. Which I learned through therapy. It's I actually vacillate between pridefulness and meekness and Mm. my dad was overly prideful my mother was overly meek so Mm. yeah exactly which is just interesting that those two magnets and we're gonna make babies but Mm. so like i walked around going i'm entitled i'm the fucking best Uh, everything is i deserve everything and then i don't deserve anything and Mm. and so i have to question is my humility born out of true humility Mm-hmm. Or or being scared? And is my pride born out of true pridefulness or also being scared? So it, it, I think I've come to a healthy playground with it. But right now, so I, I look at like therapy or like getting over one part of your life into the next. Um, or even with improv, like you vacillate between being sometimes you're really amazing and then sometimes you're very bad. And the better you get... Those two stasises exist with a smaller gap in between. Right. Mm-hmm. So right now my gap is very small between, ooh, you're not as pretty as you think you are. Oh, I'm pretty pretty though. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty talented. Are you? And so it's like those two thoughts happen really quickly. So maybe I didn't realize that until right now. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's so present at the surface because I'm so close to breaking through that little mm-hmm. gap of, mm-hmm. of question and marking it. So all I'm saying is, you know you're awesome, don't you? Uh, most of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. I'll be here to remind you. <laughs> I definitely still have some insecurities, like for sure. Right. Um, I also am in a weird place in my life and my career where I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm visible on the internet within certain circles. People know me well. They know my work. 
but I'm still not honestly making the type of money that would be comfortable for me to like live on. So <laughs> it's weird to say that on a podcast because <laughs> it feels like breaking the veil a little bit of like, sure. I'm an actor, I'm, so success I'm successful, like fuck that shit. No, I need to make more money. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. I do, I really yes. do. I work really hard and I play a lot of TTRPGs and I do paid games, uh, private and streams because I I love doing them. But also if I didn't have to do, um, if I didn't have to earn a living, I could just do like three games a year and sink so much more of myself into each one. Right. Um, I, I worry sometimes that because it's now my income, uh, I'll spread myself too thin creatively. And sometimes I feel like that's almost happened. But thankfully, I also have learned what, from what you were talking about a little bit before about the improv being like, sometimes you're awesome, sometimes you don't feel great and you're like, ah, oh, that was bad work. And then that gap uh, getting smaller. Mm -hmm. I do feel like I'm at the place where the gap is smaller and I'm able to plug into a character with less prep and I, right. I actually can come and feel like I'm bringing my best work and my best creativity and not having to spend as much time to do that. So mm. it's like, I guess as my experience grows, I am able to do all, a lot of these projects and not feel spread thin creatively, but also still, yeah, I would love to be making a good solid salary or income from acting mainly and then doing some just like three to five awesome TTRPGs a year would be so ideal for me right it's so now as a compliment and something to, it's so this is oof, there's so many different angles to come at this uh Elisa and i are in an improv group called ripley improv together um we have not ripley improv together is not the name we have, we're in <laughs> ripley, ripley improv, improv together comma to get it's kind of cute actually <laughs> um we met at an improv school we've been in several improv shows together um so i've seen Aliza, be very open about your different journeys. I, I remember when we were backstage getting ready for an improvised Jen episode, and you're like, "My inner child's happy." I decided <laughs> to listen to my inner child. I that. Yeah, and you were and you were just like raw about that and honest. And so that was like important to you that year, and it was cool that you saw that that was happening yeah. in real time. I remember two years ago where you're like, "I'm gonna make." TTRPG a main income source. Mm -hmm. You I I do this, I do this well. I see other people that are successful at this. And you ideated several different ways how to make that happen. You had a vision board, you had all these ideas. You're and two years later, you are <laughs> entrenched in this world. At, you're on D&D &D Beyond, you are hosting, you're going to D&D &D in the castle, you're going to do these things that I would like to do, but I, I'm not in the world enough. I'm not, I didn't put myself in the world. I don't want to put myself in the world, but, but I, but I could almost use you as a template to follow through. So my point in saying that is like, it's easy for me to see on the outside, you're so close to these amazing next opportunities because you're at the second tier of opportunities because you decide to commit to it. I think acting and making money, it, you're so right. I, I used to say this to people all the time. Act, acting is the only career where you have to look like you're making the money <laughs> that you need to make, that you, that you want to make before you're making it. Mm -hmm. You got to look like you're dressed up nicely and right. you know 
and put put it out there, this vibe of I'm this successful or I am an act. You know what I mean? Like I always felt like I had to be presentable everywhere I went Mm -hmm. in order for people just to even consider hiring me, essentially. And -hmm. and I'm all for pulling back the veil too because I don't consider – Two years of not booking, struggling. That's just how this career goes. That's true. Yeah, that is true. It's it's mm-hmm. hard, but I'm I'm not going. I, oh, you know, I. Yeah. But it's time for me to use the resources that are out there as best as possible. And we went through COVID, which was horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was a huge setback for most people's careers. Yep. Um. You are probably right at the cusp of making serious money. It's just really hard to see it until it happens. Yeah. And it's, um, I, yeah, like, you know, and probably some people listening know about my like health condition and how it's, it's chronic, it's constant, and it's very stressful to always be worried about, will I make enough money from TTRBGs this month? <laughs> like, did that, did that booking cover enough of this rent check or this, you know, whatever bill that I have to pay. Um, I don't like being in that place and that's the place I'm in now. And I, I can only hope that, yeah, just kind of um, being being patient, but also savvy and using my resources and my talents can get me to the next place. Um, I also am looking at some of the ideas I've had in the recent past about income and uh-huh. uh, thankfully, I'm in a place because I was talking to a finance coach and I'm working with her right now to kind of like sort out some some little things like I want to pay down my credit card debt and all this stuff. Um, and so in talking to her about all the things I want to do with money that I don't have yet in terms of like paying down credit cards and medical bills and stuff. Um, she was like, well, how are you going to make more money? You need to make more money. How are you going to do it? And she asked me that like three different times. And I was like, I don't know. Ugh, why do you keep asking me that? Leave me um, alone, bitch. <laughs> she was like, but I was glad she kind of like no, put it's pressure a question. on that question. Yeah, because I was like, you're right. I don't know. She was like, can you get a job? I was like, no, uh, because I got real sick. Like the last three office jobs I had were like 2015 to 2019. And that was when I got sick. And and I have not recovered from that. And I never will because now I have like a fucking lifelong uh, neuro illness. Um, so no, like getting a, another desk job is really not on the table for me. But yeah. it's that's I think that's a good thing. It's scary, but it's also a good thing because there are other things I can be doing to make income. Like last summer, I started working towards doing TTRPG audiobooks. Which oh, that's now, right. Yes, uh-huh. that's right. So now after that convo with the finance coach, I'm I'm like, okay, I need to pick that back up. You know? Yeah, totally. And then also like writing for TTRPGs. Um, it doesn't pay that much, but it pays something. And also I have all these ideas that I've been wanting to pitch anyway. So um, and then another one is, oh, I, I, I a, a couple years ago when I was on disability, state disability, and I had the time and space to make that goal that I told you about wanting to make TTRPG my main income source. Um, I also was working on a meditation app. Yes. Yeah. And so I had to set that aside once I ran out of state disability funds because I needed to uh, then make money immediately. Right. And the meditation app was still like a while from from working the way I needed it to. But now, um, yeah, I'm going to make a simpler meditation app idea. 
And so, so yeah, I, I guess the whole point of this is like having my condition, having my disability and all of the talents and the experience that I have now as an actor and TTRPG -er and things like that and writer is that's I just that's my path like I just have to navigate between those two things and trust that and if I try to go outside that um in a way that's either not organic to me or doesn't support those two things like my creative interest and my health condition that's when that's where disaster lies <laughs> based off the experience because you yeah. experimented with or said yes mm -hmm. to things that don't serve those two purposes yeah and I did the adult thing got a nine to five and I yeah. got very sick from it so yeah. I'm good I'm good on a, a nine to fives <laughs> I, to to make it about me like I always do I, I I'm I don't want to I don't want another day job I don't, mm -hmm. and I don't have a, I don't have a physical reason, but I have an emotional reason. Sure. I Strong know. enough. Yeah. Well, and, but yet this is where my brain gets fucked and goes, well, you don't deserve to want what mm -hmm. you want. Mm -hmm. You're just an actor. So that's not true. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm meant to do on the yeah. planet. And we, like, this is what's so wonderful about Rip, Ripley Improv is, um, you can find in this business people that aren't out to eat your throats mm -hmm. and people that want to see you succeed, you know, yeah. and we're not just competition because we're both women. We are, right. if you're successful and you get to be on this TV show, that is only bolstering my career. And the, the better we behave that way. And I think the majority of people do behave that way. There are some people that are naturally competitive and have issues mm -hmm. and you just mark those people in your book and don't go back to them. But, um, nothing, feels worse to me now when there's financial insecurity yeah. I, it is it becomes debilitating yes so like I knew a little bit of money was coming but I also knew that I was not getting help with rent anymore mm. in the two months ago like right mm -hmm. as April was coming up and I had no idea what was going to happen if if and what was going to happen mm -hmm. uh, and I was like am I not doing enough what could what more could I be doing am I is it my fault I'm not making enough money it, even if it isn't my fault I should have what should I be doing I put a lot of faith into the universe too and a faith in what I have I, I have this problem where I forget that I too put out feelers into my resources and tap them mm -hmm. I do but and so, mm -hmm. thankfully, money came in at the right time. I've never not been able to pay my rent, whether it is using resources or having money, uh, even if it was just like two minutes late. But the yeah. interim, before there was money, I was like $400 overdrafted. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do anything. It's Yeah, you're right. It is debilitating. It really is. Yeah. Financial insecurity can take over your whole mind and your emotional state, like... Yeah. You do not expect a, a response from me. Do not, like, and, mm -hmm. and the thing is, it's like, I know, I, I saw it happening when I realized what it was. I it didn't help me, it didn't afford me the opportunity to get better or deal with it better. I just went, just, just chill until you have a couple hundred bucks. Right now, mm -hmm. you don't need to buy anything. You have enough food in the fridge. I just, yeah, there you go. I, yeah. I resigned a little mm -hmm. bit better and let myself feel like shit for a couple of days, but trust it, like... The, the thing that kind of gets me through those tough periods is I've never gone without a meal. I've always had mm -hmm. a roof over my head. And, yeah. you know, and thankfully I have, if I was about to not have a, an apartment, I have two places I could go. And I have an uncle who could help me if I, God forbid, needed it. 
And I recognize a lot of people don't have that good fortune. Mm-hmm. I really try not I, – I, I have two cats. I don't want to not have an apor- apartment, mm-hmm. you know. But I also – I'm going to do this career whether it means living in a car or not either, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. it is a f- interesting balance of faith, jumping off of a ledge. We're, we're jumping off of ledges every single mm-hmm. day that we can't see the bottom from. It's not yeah. – like, I love when people are like, jump, and the net will appear. It's like, bitch, I've been jumping. <laughs> I, oh, God. You know what I mean? I really <clears throat> appreciate people's positivity, for sure. Um, I appreciate people believing in me when I don't seem to believe in myself, for sure. It's helpful, and it's bolstering um, at, yeah. at times. It totally is. I do laugh, though, when people say stuff like that. Like, just hang in there. It'll be all right. And especially with dating, when people are like, mm. it's when you're not looking, that's when you'll find them. I'm like, I haven't been looking for a while, but okay. Like, <laughs> give me more of your wisdom. I like, love myself <laughs> now. What am I doing like, wrong? <laughs> I literally am in the place where I feel like this is, you know, if if it's going to happen, I think this is the self that will best attract a nice a nice soulmate, a good, good match for me. So I'm not worried about it anymore, but also um, I I'm sorry, but like... I need to remember this for the future to not give uh, dating advice based on my own situation because when people do that, I think it's funny. It's just like, really, you got married when you're just right out of college, didn't you? Didn't you? Yeah. Good for you. Good, Good for, for you. you. And you're giving me advice on what exactly? How to turn back time and meet my soulmate in college like you did? Okay. Great. Oh, fuck, man. Thanks. Helpful. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that is not even like... So lack of awareness with regards to that. There's so many people do it. Very well-meaning, sweet, wonderful people. Uh, But it's annoying. (laughs) It's amazing to me the fascination humans have with dating and death. Like, Oh, goodness. Yes. So Laurie Jones, our mutual friend who I speak about on this podcast often, was telling me about – because she works for a nonprofit that deals with a chronic illness – as well. And Mm -hmm. there was a research study that was performed about people's interest in morbidity and how everyone wants to hear how someone dies. Like, that's why we love like hearing news about like this person dies over this. We'll ask, we'll hear like my, oh, my uh, next door neighbor died the other day. How did he die? What happened? And you you people lean in and want to know. And like, oh yeah, a fire. And everyone goes, oh good. Or whatever. They, we want to hear about how other people die so that we can feel good that we won't likely die that way. Whoa. So, like, there's a – I know. There's a curiosity that happens, and then we'll dismiss someone's death if it's not a way we think we could possibly die. <laughs> I know, dude. It it's are so weird. It's so fucking weird. And it is like, you know, that TV show, A Thousand and One Ways to Die. Like, you know, I'll never have a champagne tower in my – at my wedding because someone died by all those things falling on her or whatever. Like, or, you know, or there's a woman who leaned up against a, you know, power thing and she died. Like, wow. so I, I like, the, I don't like horrors, but I like, if I watch a horror film, I'm like, well, I'm never going to not walk down a, a stairwell without holding the railing. You learn how to like <laughs> live in certain scenarios. Uh. And I think that that's what we're doing by by proxy is learning how did that person die? What's a way I can avoid it, essentially? Mm-hmm. And then the same lean-in happens when you hear about anybody, even if it's your third cousin getting married or dating mm-hmm. or breaking up. 
oh my God, what happened? Because we want to see if it's a way that we can either date or avoid being broken up with, etc. It's something, when you realize how often people ask those questions about those two things, it's majority to see if it's going to fit our path or not, I think. Interesting. Does that make sense? It makes sense, right? It totally does. Totally does. I think I may be not as, I don't, how do I, how do I put this? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not as interested in the dating stuff. I'm like, are they happy? Great. That's all I want to, like, I don't really care about the, the circumstances unless it's something salacious and juicy you know like well i guess then, that's part of it too that's kind of then fun. i'm like ooh, wait a minute wasn't he just married like last year like you know i then i'm like <laughs> yes i want the details but if it's just like oh yeah i'm dating this guy and we just got together and it's nice i'm like yay are you happy good yeah that's all i need to know if you want to tell me more that's fine i'm not i'm not like shutting things down at all but i i don't have that curiosity about other people's dating lives that other people do that's interesting and I noticed this when I've been dating people and some of my friends wanted all these details. And I was like, why do you want to know? Like, why? Why do you want to know? This is weird to me. And no, they're the normal ones. I'm the weird one. Perhaps that's, 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 that's the case. I will say it's also part of the cultural norm, though, too. So it's True. why. Yeah. So, like, it, it could be a little bit of chicken in the egg conversation. And. I the wonder, cultural norm is to share, you mean? Yes, to ask oh. all the details. And so. I guess it's like, so I guess it's, if your friend doesn't ask you, then the the idea is like, oh, if I don't ask, then they're going to think I don't care about the relationship. Is that's that what my thought process is. I, I, that's, that's what I'm extrapolating from this conversation. You know what it is? Because I, I actually value privacy in relationships and I respect, I, I just assume other people would want the privacy that I want. So I'm not going to ask about all these details about your relationship because I'm like, that's private. If you need to talk to me about stuff you need to work through, if you just want to share, I'm totally here for it. But I'm never going to like pry to ask that stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, but then Unless I'm might... concerned about my friend, I'm like, so are you okay? <laughs> that's different. So this then also stretches to like people giving you dating advice that you didn't fucking ask yeah, for. Yeah, absolutely. In a sense. You're right. It, I think it's very connected. I'm I have a big I think I have a much higher private privacy need than other people maybe when it comes to relationships. Well, because you also are such an you're a person who curries intimacy just in how much I did not know how much you cared for me and I took I know I took it so for granted and I and I it was a it was born out of some insecurity where where I just didn't know how to trust that friendships were actually friendships or that people actually could care about me and some things we've been through put that to the test and then you guys still cared about me so like like at that point I don't I wish I didn't need to have put my relationships through the ringer in order to go, oh, look at we made it to the other side and these people <laughs> truly do care about me. But it does help me in future scenarios to realize I am worthy of being cared for, even if I am a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, let's not test it. But, <laughs> but one of the things I underestimated about you was your – you point blank just cared about me. You point blank were going to protect me, and I didn't know that. And so I wonder if – your ability just to eat, even if you're valuing someone's privacy, you caring about someone so much might make someone feel like there's even more intimacy there than 
like or like oh they're gonna tell me private things i'm yeah. just i'm trying i'm trying to think of uh-huh. like reason it it could oh, be yeah, that yeah i can see that and i've had i have definitely had like one friend in particular who i think that was the case with yeah oh. for sure mm. um and it, yeah it's not um it's not a bad thing yeah and honestly it feels good this whole conversation so far it feels good to just like talk through stuff that's not like it's just the human experience right even the nft stuff is like i'm not enraged by nfts yeah i don't like them and yes i said fuck nfts several times already today but also like whatever i'm just gonna keep living my life people who do nfts are gonna keep doing their shit it's fine but it's nice to just like talk through my viewpoint and hear yours and and you you know telling me what the other the nft bros have said but also it's like this doesn't have to fucking end anything <laughs> it's like right it's fine we can talk through stuff and then move on from it it feels nice to do that well and i think you know? we've done that well as friends like in general i feel like you've said that before to me after mm-hmm. conversations where it's just like oh it feels so good to talk about it <laughs> like you you yeah. hadn't aired some things out and it's not always that you find someone that you can talk to and air out an opinion and also not have to defend that opinion. It's not, yeah, and it's not like – like uh, I know sometimes there are people who take things – and okay, personally. yeah, this is – yeah, personally, but also like um, I have very strong opinions and I think people are surprised by that sometimes because mm-hmm. like you said, I'm kind of like – I do have like a softness or gentleness in some ways, but I'm also very, uh, I'm from New Jersey. And, She's a New Jersey. She's a Jersey girl. Uh, I'm a black woman and I have Puerto Rican ancestry and Caribbean ancestry. And those are all very like strong, passionate people. And, and uh, yeah, I said I'm from New Jersey already, but that's like a big part of my personality. It is. So I think yeah. that's why you remind me of my, my, the bees in my family. They're Jersey women. Mm-hmm. They really yeah. are. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, when I express things and it comes out as this very passionate diatribe, it's like, no, I'm actually just fucking shooting the shit right now. <laughs> like, it's not that serious. And people are like, oh, I thought you were, oh, goodness, I thought you were, like, really serious and gung-ho about the same. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, like, I was, you know, just shooting the shit about it. What? <laughs> I wish it didn't take you having to do this, but in one of Ripley's more serious meetings, you had to clarify yes. that when you are heightened, you're not pissed. Yes, <laughs> and, I'm just engaged. I'm just interested and activated. And everyone in that room took a collective sigh and went, oh, oh my God. Really, I, I wish I wish it wasn't the case, but it was a huge, let's put it this way too. When the, I'm coming from a family, a lot of those women... Not a lot of them. A lot of the, some of the women in that group, that the original we share, Ripley group, the original yeah. Ripley group, have healthy households. Some of them. Hold on. One, two, two of them, three of them, three of them have, three of them have fa- parents that are still together and healthy and My loving. My parents are and still together. I'm not talking about you for the second. I'm not talking about. I'm saying that they didn't have necessarily experienced the amount of tumult and yelling that I did. Uh, maybe. Uh. I all I all it did to me when I hear you get heightened was like I've done something wrong or mm. I I so it triggered but, me. Mm. That's all. But so, it feels like that was happening for them too for different reasons because they're not used to people talking like in that animated passionate way unless they're mad. Right. Right. So I think totally. it had the same effect, but for you it was different because 
that animated stuff was usually like you know scary stuff right for me yeah, yeah. totally but, i think you're so, right you're right yeah, yeah. You're right. so i think it had the same effect on all of you and yeah it was it was like that was a rel rel relevatory moment when in that meeting i was like wait do y'all think i'm just mad all the time <laughs> like, it was what <laughs> uh, it was it was a breath of fresh air and and what i really fuck? And it took me several times after that fact seeing you. Thank God you didn't stop being you. I'm so great. I'm so grateful for the many things you saw that were hard that you had to go through and just didn't give up on us. Like, I I think I pointed this out to you. There was an episode of This Is Us where um, a white guy's dating a black woman and he's, she, she needs her silk pillow. She forgot her silk pillow. And he goes, I don't get it. Why do you need a silk pillow? You need a princess or something like that? Like he wasn't being a total dick about it, but she didn't want to say anything. And then he bought her a silk pillow, even though he didn't know why. And mm -hmm. she explained. And a, a, one of her black friends were like, really? You want to coach him through all this? Mm -hmm. And she's like, he's worth it. <laughs> and it's a, it was mm -hmm. a it's a, it's a little on the nose and it's a little melodramatic, <laughs> but you didn't give up on Ripley where you could have. And, and Ripley did respond and kind of go, okay, how can we support this group? You have taught me, you've taught me to advocate for yourself, to say it's to be okay with someone saying, I can't do this today, as opposed to going, I can't fucking believe they're not going to be here. Or, you know, like there's so many different things that just by existing and making sure you're heard in the face of adversity or in the face of being misunderstood, your persistence through that, you have, I hope you have begun to cultivate a, a, a environment that does work for you. And I'm sad that it wasn't initially a, a, a culture that worked for you, but you've changed my point of view and perspective dra drastically. And I've taken that into my mm -hmm. life in a million different ways. And I know I've told you that, um, like you changed my opinion on that. And it's something, you could even say something simple. And I'm like, <laughs> it is so it's so awesome but it's but it, it is not easy for someone to constantly have to do that well you know that i have definitely left spaces where it felt like i was banging my head against the wall just trying to exist in the space and then realizing oh if i need to if i want to be like um if i want to help make this space a place that is uh, welcoming to me and people like me, I need to help do the work to get there. Yeah. And then when I did devote myself to doing the work, still banging my head against the wall because it was like uh, a lot of people who were saying they were allies and supportive and progressive and then would just do nothing. And they were just saying yes to my face and then and then just were t totally perfectly happy to just continue on as they were. When I was telling them, hey, I literally cannot exist in this space in this way and other people will feel the same and have felt the same and left. And, and you left. wonder why and you fucking lose left. and why you lose people of color and gay people and you know, and this is why. And I'm telling you, let's try to fix it. And then you're saying, Yes, you're right, we should fix it. And then nothing happens for years. So yes, I have left spaces like that, multiple spaces. Um and I think what I'm learning though too, as a black woman, because <laughs> I can't tell you a black woman who hasn't done this type of work in a in a workspace, in a workplace or a creative place. Um, so it's not even like I'm not special <laughs> for doing that. It's just kind of comes with the territory of being a black woman in this world, in this country, in our society. We just are put into these places where 
if we don't do the work, then we either need to leave the space or just put our head down and, and bear through it. And I don't I I see black women making the choice that's best for them all the time. And I understand now how hard what I chose to do was because <laughs> I I could have left much earlier and I didn't. And I chose to stay and fight and work and try to make things better. Um, it would have been a lot easier on me if I had just left. Right. Right. So, yeah. But is that your personality at the end of the day? Have it is. always been someone that's like, I'm going to fucking work on this. It is. But also, I really, I think what I needed to learn was how to protect my own peace and choose to not stay in a place like that. Right. Because like, like you said before, you said you hope that I've been like, uh, I forgot what word you used. Like you hope that I've been finding that community or putting putting that community together that is better for me, and I have finding, yeah, 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 yeah. through TTRPGs, even through Ripley. Like we let we brought in new members last year, and we are bringing in more guests. We plan to bring in more guests and TTRPGs. I have Streampunks, and that's like uh, this little collective that we do games together, and it's people that we all know and trust and love each other, and bringing guests into that space too, and then. Um, now working with the cookout TCRPG. And that was a blessing because Kira invited me to come into it and hired me to be in that space. And now it's like one of my favorite spaces to be in creatively. Uh, and that is a diverse group of people of color, all different people of color, LGBTQ people. And I just adore that space. It's a great space and people are respectful. People are loving and fun and funny. We like, we just have so much fun within the games and also around the games. And now that you're part of that space, I'm really happy for you to experience that too. It feels like an honor. And also I'm very, I'm glad that I know I also belong there too. Like, as opposed to going, am I, should, am I allowed to be here? I, it's, mm-hmm. I'm at the point where I know that I, I, I deserve to be there too. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I feel, I, I'm grateful and it's the right setting for me because these are wonderful people that I can bring and 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 help and love as well yeah, too. Really awesome group. It, it um, really delightful. I would not have expected. Like I just went go oh, cool. I get to be on another TTRPG. Would never have expected the amount of delight and instant mm-hmm. connection. Connection. Like it, it, yeah, it makes me feel super goosebumpsly mm-hmm. about it. It's, yeah. It, yeah, but that's also a testament to you. You're like, hey, Jessica's okay. <laughs> Do you want to play with us really quick? <laughs> that's very nice. I, 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 one of the things that's like a main driver in my life has been I want people to like me. I want people to like mm. me. I want, it's been a huge motivator. It's not, it, it was not a healthy thing. It was, who knows what it was born out of. Uh, my dad would say that that's what makes me an actor. I just want people to like me. I don't think that that's true. It's not mm. helpful. But like my insecurity, he would say that that's what would make me an actor. But mm-hmm. at a certain point, that flipped for me where I realized people should like you. And if they mm-hmm. don't, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But it did make me empathetic and shut the fuck up a little bit to go, mm, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe this person's life situation is a little bit different than mine. Just yeah. take a knee, yeah. listen. Because – First of all, there's no better way for someone to like you than when you're listening to them. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. Truly. And then also respecting them. Mm-hmm. So like in a way, my my insecurity helped me slow down and learn more 
so that I could fit better in other places and then to become a better person. And now it sounds like, too, once you, yeah, you slowed down, became uh, like just slowed down, became more focused on listening. That brought on more empathy. And Mm -hmm. that's what now has released you from caring as much if people like you, right? 100%. 100 percent i used to go hard left into the other direction Mm -hmm. again talking about that gap yeah just Mm -hmm. narrowing the gap i do remember the uh the first ripley improv retreat we went on we spent two or three hours in front of the fireplace in that little cabin talking about each other's strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and i think you and i were still on the cusp of not being close or like you know working through some of our major issues so i remember feeling Mm -hmm. Just, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. I remember feeling nervous uh, to give you a compliment and feedback because I think mm-hmm. we were looking for compliments and feedback. And I just remember feeling like a little uncomfortable, but I think it was also good because it was just like, you know what, let's air it out. And mm-hmm. you you gave me a compliment before or, and feedback before I gave it to you. And that actually also helped me to feel a little bit safer in that moment. Like, cause you were just like, you know, just this, you know what this. And I was like, Oh, all right. I don't remember what I said. (laughs) I don't either, but it was some, there was something to be said for you were just straightforward and clear and still kind. And it was like, actually, I think it was a, it's like two things happened uh, without naming names or naming reasons. Elisa and I had a little bump in the road and Elisa said, I need space from you. Within that week, we ended up getting paired as love interests in an episode of Dystopia. Uh. Or like we took a couple of shows off together. And then like the next show we oh, played yeah, together. where Yeah. Because yeah. everyone just gave us space. And the, like less than a month later, we finally played a show together. And that fucking night, I was the lead girl. And you were the boy or vice versa. And we we either had to kiss or, but there was like a really interesting mutual understanding that took place where we're like, okay, we're still respecting boundaries, but also cool. We can kind of do this. I just remember feeling that intrinsically with you and going, ah, this kind of sucks, but also this is kind of great. Cause mm-hmm. and you kind of gave me a couple of nods. Like there was like, it was like s- silent consent. Like, yes, you can do this as this yeah. character or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, that was helpful to move forward. And then this retreat happened shortly thereafter. Mm. Um, and everyone went around going, this sucks about you. This is good about you. Um, <laughs> oh God, but, I can't believe we did that. But it was like, actually, it was amazing. It was amazing. It sounds, no, it sounds like we needed it for sure. And right now where I am in life, I don't know if I could handle that. I hear you. I, I think, think I right, want to do that right now. At that time... I was so raw. I don't know how yeah. I even handled it. Me too. Like, ugh. But the the thing that was I walked away with was that my greatest strength and weakness was my emotional side. That it was a superpower, but it was also a hindrance. So when I – basically everyone was saying, when you learn how to deal with that, you I will do, be okay. great. I remember that, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember but what was hard about that and why it's actually making me tear up is um, I didn't know how to, to – I didn't know how I was going to get to that point where I could manage those two things because mm-hmm. the emotional side of me um, was so strong that it seemed overwhelming like I'll never be able to get past that. Mm-hmm. So um, 
but it but but probably listening slowing down getting knocked down a couple times it just and i also i'm a i'm a, I'm a believer in like sometimes when things are too hard take a knee go home don't talk to people for three weeks you don't need to like check in with people sometimes you just need to like lick your wounds and like be calm mm-hmm. and quiet yeah um i i think i've gotten the I'm, I'm keep on flipping my hand because like Stephen Kieran talks about your greatest strength is your greatest weakness mm. and both sides different mm-hmm. sides of the same hand um or different sides of the same coin and I think I've lessened that gap between the two mm-hmm. where the my emotions aren't volatile but they serve me and yeah, they yeah, they yeah. make me a more empathetic person and a better performer um and it's less of a weakness now and it's more of a strength cool amazing yeah, look, look at look at how far we've come. We're so good. We're so big. we're such good people, Lisa. It's really what we're just here to self congratulate on this episode. But I really do, I really do uh, credit you with so many new thoughts. And and actually, before we started this podcast, and this is what I kind of wanted to talk to you because this podcast is supposed to be about generations. Mm. Um, before we started this podcast, you were you were the first person to even like reg- register to me that Gen Z was coming up, and you're like, we gotta include them. We gotta include Gen Z before we get fucking left out, mm. and as opposed to hating on them, mm. and and I didn't understand why we would have hated on them until mm. I started this podcast, and they were telling yeah. me I should have a middle part and skinny jeans. It's wait, were they actually telling you that? No. Oh, oh, but like this is what TikTok was saying that oh. you, if you're you're chuggy, if this what in oh, reality right, right. Gen Z doesn't give a flying fuck, uh-huh. and <laughs> and just articles like the Wall Street Journal and shit want you to believe there's generational yeah, wars it's and weird. gaps. It's a it's, so it's all baity and headline mm-hmm. baity, and it doesn't mean there isn't some benefit in categorizing generations. But you were the first person to go, Gen Z's coming up, and we got to figure out a way how to fold them in. And embrace them, and because well, because they also like are. First of all, they're just living their life. They're they have their, and this is I mean all the generalizations like are annoying, but I will use them for now. Um, but yeah, like I haven't seen anything so terrible about Gen Z. They're young. They're they're figuring their lives out. They're figuring out their humor. They're very funny. Very smart. I love how active they are in terms of actual activism. They are not, they don't want to put up with the shit that the previous generations have put up with. They're sick of like climate change. Um, every, all of these uh, phobias that have been folded into our society and, and isms. Gen Z is not putting up with that shit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like here for it. I'm so here for it. I want them to fucking wipe the slate clean. I, I, I'm so sick of the homophobia and the transphobia and the yep. ableism, the racism, all of and the Islamophobia, all that shit. I hope Gen Z gets it gone from our society. And I am here to help them do that as much as I can. Um, but that's what I that's why I'm like hopeful and excited about Gen Z. All that chuggy stuff. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was it's silly funny. And funny. It is funny. funny. You know, like I never I but I did see at the same I remember when we had that convo. I was just seeing some millennial people who are like our age getting real in their feelings about it. I was like, do you really care? Like, why do you really care? And it's, and that's the thing. I'm not saying like, I don't care what these 
young people think because that's a different energy. You know what I'm saying? Like, who cares what they think because they're young? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's kind of it's very low stakes and it's very just like silly, you know, um, if if it's being used to be hurtful, yeah, then, yeah, that's shitty. And they should be called out for that. And I think sure. as individuals that has happened and they have been called out for it. So fine. You know, but done you're telling me get, if you're feeling attacked because you have a live, laugh, love fucking poster. <laughs> yes, you're choogy. <laughs> Accept it. Why no yeah. clock? Accept that. But also like you like, yes, you're being made fun of for the live, laugh, love. OK, maybe it hurt your feelings. But also just who cares? Keep your live, laugh, love sign and li- do you, honey. Live like, your life, and, live your laugh life. and love. <laughs> live, laugh, and love. Listen to bitch, the sign. Bitch. <laughs> if you're going to keep it up there, you got to live that life, okay? <laughs> Come on. Uh, so, yeah. That's how I feel <laughs> about Generation Wars. It's dumb. Um, although I do also find the, like, disdain for boomers very funny. <laughs> it's so, um, so funny. <laughs> and accurate. I mean, and the same thing too. My mom is cusp boomer, cusp Gen Xer, and mm-hmm. doesn't have a home, doesn't have savings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not all boomers. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And that's and that's why I'm saying, like, you know, yeah, the generalizations are there for a reason. But then also we have to remember, as individuals, there are things happening. Correct. So I, I'm a millennial, but I've never had avocado toast. Avocados make me want to puke. They actually physically make me ill. This is so insane. I'm still a millennial, you know. <laughs> but do you like toast at least? Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking fucked up. Uh, and th- this was one of the things you had said too about it that I thought was impactful. That there were some people in the quote unquote older generation ahead of us that also went, let's Take in a millennial. Let's not judge them right off the bat as these entitled son of a bitches. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and we could do that with Gen Z too. That was like one of your thought processes, mm-hmm. which is so indicative of the way that you create art too. Yes, you can do art in a void. You don't. Right. You love surrounding yourself with people. I love collaborating. That, yeah. Yes. Even I, working mm-hmm. with a financial advisor, it's mm-hmm. helping you follow through with something that's for sure you know oh, what i mean yeah. um yeah what i was saying I'm, I'm remembering what what you're talking about about older generations adopting me kind of yeah i i know when i was in my like late 20s actually no like pretty much for most of my 20s through th- early 30s all of my friends all of my closest friends were at least a decade older than me or maybe even more and those were You know, part of it was like I was bartending, I was waitressing. So I had some friends who were the same age, but a lot of people were just older and they were like my good buddies. And so that's I think that's what I was thinking. Like they didn't treat me badly because I was younger than them. We were buddies. We were chill, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't see. Yeah. I think that's why I'm more open to like. Also, I do have a niece and nephew who are kind of cusp Gen Z millennial. So I have. Yeah, I just have a lot of love for for young people in general like they're the future (laughs) and they're and they're precious too you know they're awesome and they're fucking they're precious and they're fierce which is like such a beautiful combination and you're not this is what happens too and you're not saying this but i caution people against this where they're like they're gonna change the world 
we have a responsibility to do that as well and, and not we can sit still, back. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like people I did want... that with millennials. Like right. these people are gonna fucking do it and change mm-hmm. it. Fuck you, dude. You're 40. <laughs> you can still help. Yeah. <laughs> We're not dead. We're still here. We yeah. can still help and we should help for sure. But yeah. the energy is galvanizing, mm-hmm. right? Like it is like because Nick Masu said this, Nick Masu of You Don't Know Nick fame and Heartbeats fame and whatever, he said that he actually credits the millennials for for how impactful Black Lives Matters was. Mm. I don't know if that's accurate. It seemed to be his impression of it. But mm. he was impressed that so many people that were just a little bit younger than him were driving it, making yeah. it happen. I believe... The women who started the Black Lives Matter movement are, are, are millennial. I thought they were millennial women. Maybe they're on the cusp. I don't know. It could be. I, I just, it's, we are of the age now where we have a little bit of money. Maybe, this is going to bum you out. Mm-hmm. 2%, hold on. We, millennials have 2% or like 2.5% of the world's wealth. That's it. And Compared to what? Like what? How much do other generations Other generations. Have? Well, I don't know. I, this was also told to me a year ago. If we have 5% of the world's wealth, which is not a lot, let's just say, and let's just assume it's not a lot, Mark Zuckerberg has 50% of that. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, also that's, I'm confused even by those numbers, like the, by looking at it that okay, way. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, let's look it up what really quick. What does that mean? Like oh, having... uh, okay. How much do uh, millennials <laughs> worth Network. Let's see. Percentile. Uh, percentile. How did they? F- also, how did they? F- where did that come from? Those. Uh, Larry data. John told me this. I need to know that. Data. Okay, here it is. Here it is millennial. Oh. What? Ha, ha. Millennials. This is insider. Business insider. Millennials make more money than any other generation did at their age, but are way less wealthy. Um. This was the, this was the, despite their higher earnings, millennials still hold less wealth than previous generations did at their age. When boomers were roughly the same age as millennials now, they owned about 21% of America's wealth compared to millennials 5% share, according to recent Fed data. So isn't that also because of inflation? Could be. Like... There's, yeah, so, you know, I've been watching a lot of the Lucy show, in the, which takes uh-huh. place in the 60s, or not takes place, it is in the 60s, from the 60s. It, living and, increases, yes. Sorry, Yeah, Karen. yeah, so it's like all of, that makes sense to me. But here's the thing, I make more money than the characters on her TV show make, but Mr. Mooney is wealthier than me, you know what I mean? Because of his place in the economy and society at that time compared to mine is very different. Even though the physical dollars that I make is more than he did. I would hope. Although maybe this, not true. <laughs> I would hope. Well, yeah. R- real median. Yes. So this thing's like, I think it's adjusting the dollar here okay, yeah, to yeah. Uh, account for inflation. The stake in the economy. The, but also yes. that makes sense to me because boomers... For that exact same reason. If are boomers... holding on to this money. Exactly. Exactly. And they just have had the decades for that money to grow and that wealth to grow. So right. that's, yeah, that's, it. it is indicative of our society for sure. 
but it's not it's not super surprising to me that that's the case. No, I think the thing that just fucks fucks me up is how much of that wealth Mark Zuckerberg owns. Right. <laughs> like, right. so we might have five percent of the wealth, but Mark Zuckerberg's two point five percent. Yeah. Or whatever. See, it's just kind of crazy, but it, it it does it does us no good to think about that. At the same time. You know, people think we're real. Like, the first take Nick Masu had was like, what do you think about millennials? He goes, well, you guys are entitled. I hate that I think that, but that's what I think. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I guess I feel that way. Yeah. That's real cute. That's cute. I would say this. His opinion has changed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a year ago. It's actually... Pretty, we're pretty much in the anniversary zone of uh, oh. of it starting. So, wow. welcome, welcome to that. Also, That's the exciting. anniversary episode. Um, yeah. Anyway, I I could talk to you for too long. It's so good. <laughs> I I'm I I what I learned about what I've learned from this podcast and learning more about Gen Z. I think the thing that I was having a problem with ultimately was that I was getting older and becoming a little mm. less socially relevant and mm. a little less hot. So it's been an interesting journey uh, online with our listeners for me to learn how to embrace this, just not being well, not being the core cool generation anymore. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling me this stuff yeah. before you started this podcast. I... Uh, don't agree that you are less hot. I'm getting, I'm only getting hotter. I mean, for reals. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not kidding. I think we both are just getting hotter. I mean, you definitely are. You are too. I just look at all these TikToks of these hot little girls. I'm sorry. They're... Hot teenagers. <laughs> you need hot to, young. You need to rewind that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are young though, and it's scary. Like, please call children hot <laughs> i understand i'm not talking about little I, i'm just okay i'm gonna maybe delete this i probably won't i probably won't i'm talking about young women young ladies oh my god this is funny from 18 to 22 <laughs> who are dressing oh provocatively my god. and it's just listen just lay maxwell listen listen <laughs> I think the whole internet just heard my face palm. <laughs> that was a major face palm. I'm sorry. We shouldn't it's joke okay. about this, but also that was very funny. They, I'm um, good with it. I'm happy to joke about it. My whole life's a fucking joke. Uh, I know you're not. You're not a pedophile. Uh, I do cringe though when I when I hear like 17 year olds being called hot. It just makes me like ew. And it's I nothing know. against them. Like yes, there are some beautiful, uh, beautiful teenagers of course of course there are but it's it's creep it creeps me out to hear them talked about in ways like the way adults are talked about it's fucking creepy but then but i think the thing that i'm trying not to ignore is you have young ladies under 18 that are able to be on tiktok and instagram that are selling themselves as sexual items yeah for sure that's tough it's unfortunate like and, and i'm not you... i'm not condoning discondoning you know like maybe we're living in a world where that kind of sexual expression is okay but it's but scary also but what do you mean by selling themselves as sexual items if you are i have a friend who's his, his entire tiktok because he likes pretty women is mm-hmm. flooded with young women just being hot mm-hmm. i would consider i would put that in the category of selling themselves. 
if you are but just being attractive and putting themselves on TikTok, like what are they doing? Are they doing they're specific uh, trying things? to curry more followers with their attractiveness? And I'm not saying it's a negative thing. I'm just saying it makes me scared for them by by putting themselves out there in bikinis and bras and showing their bodies for lascivious people to look at. Yeah, I hear that, but I also think I think you're doing right to challenge me on this. I think Yeah. I what I hear too on the reverse side of that is always the boys will be boil boys and you have to cover yourself up and you have to do this. You have to avoid being sexually assaulted. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be out. That's all I hear because that's all I heard as a young when I was a young woman. Right. And I didn't have the freedom. I didn't feel free to express myself the way these young ladies are. So okay. I I think I would rather focus on teaching everyone that, hey, it's okay to celebrate our bodies. It's okay to put on a bikini and look cute and stuff. Um, and at the same time, we do need to respect people's autonomy, their body autonomy, their sexual agency, their consent, mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, and there's an argument to me, be made that I there's consent like, with if they're putting that stuff out there. Yeah, like but not, mm, mm, I yes, know, I know people assume this. Well, though. I'll just talk. I know you this. I know you know this, but I'll talk through it because that's a that's a thing that you're right. People say the difference is, and Alicia Marie, my good friend, who's a gorgeous woman, mm -hmm. she has said this so perfectly. I'll try to kind of paraphrase what she has said. There's a difference between her putting out a sexy picture of herself for everyone to see and consume and comment and like and stuff. Yes, she's doing that. She knows she's doing that. And that's her right to do that. There's a difference between just liking it and making like a little cute comment and DMing her talking about their dick your what you're doing to her picture you know yeah i'm not going to get into details but people do that shit all the time and we know right. that they send those messages to people so that's the difference the consent is for you to look at this picture and enjoy it and and like it and and maybe you take a screen back i don't know what you do with it my own personal uh i feel like i'm shouting into the mic sorry i'm gonna step back it's okay um, we're we're heated <laughs> See, I'm 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 activated. I'm not mad. I'm engaged. And I'm not I'm not cowering. I'm enjoying yes, this. Yes. I'm not scared. <laughs> You're not yelling at me. Why are you crying, Jessica? Because this has been a really emotional book. <laughs> Carry on. It's fun. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, my my own policy, and I've said this in Women at Warp, my my all women Star Trek podcast. My own personal policy as an actor, as a woman on the internet, is if I post a sexy picture and you like it and you screen grab it, fine. I don't care. Save it in your phone. Look at it sometimes when you want to see a hot Eliza. I don't care. Do that. But I don't want you, number one, don't use to catfish other people, obviously. Mm -hmm. I did not consent for you to use my photo other than for your own personal just seeing it and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Number two, if you masturbate to it, I don't care, but do not tell me that. Also, maybe don't post about that because I could see it. And then that is, uh, I'm not Harassment consenting. still. Yeah, it's I'm not consenting to be part of that act that you're doing. If you're doing it just with you in the privacy of your own home and in your own world, I can't control that and I'm not trying to. That's your business. Just keep it your business is all I ask. Um, so that's where I stand on that matter. Um, and and that's about being respected. Like I I want to I want to be respected. And part of it is like if you like my photo, yay. 
if you use it for your own personal whatevers, yay for you. But I don't need to. I don't need to know about that, and I don't want to know about that. So yeah, that's where I'm at with that. I fucking love that. I fucking love you. I think you're the best. <laughs> Jess, if I ever have a cult, I think you'll be the only member of it. <laughs> you don't have a cult. I what think do I this show is up our to? cult. Okay. <laughs> you're like, what have I been showing up to? Who have I been worshiping and servicing? What? It's okay. I will continue to clean your bathroom with the toothbrush. It is I fine. wish. I wish you did that. Just kidding. I don't wish you did that. That would be weird. Dad, do you really need the help? I'll help you. I do need someone to clean my bathroom. I hear you. It's actually one of the hardest things for me to do, too. Like I feel like I don't notice the dirt in my bathroom as much as in the kitchen, so my kitchen gets cleaned more often. I understand that. It's because like yeah. you're also there to wash off the dirt. Right. It's a whole thing. <laughs> And also, these buildings are old. So it's like, yes. what's the difference between a little bit of soap scum and uh-huh. that fucking shit that's been under the grouting for exactly. 10, 20, 30 years? It's, yeah. it's difficult. Um, anyway, Aliza, what's some, what are you doing? What, what can you tell people that you're doing? Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Aliza Pearl. That's A-L-I-Z-A. And I am on Twitch uh i twitch on lots of i twitch i stream on lots of other people's twitch doing i twitch uh i stream on other people's twitch channels doing lots of ttrpg stuff i also have my own twitch which is a pizza lisa a-p-i-z-a-l-i-z-a um i i only do that sporadically though so if you follow me you'll get the sweet surprise sometimes of me streaming sweet um and i'm an actor you can see me on uh episode 18 <gasps> of season 13 of NCIS LA which is out tonight and I'm sure once this podcast comes podcast comes out you can just see it out in the world so that's so friggin exciting yay and, and you'll be on Colock which people can watch back on uh-huh. Fear HQ Fear HQ yes and on Twitch right on Twitch and I believe yeah. on YouTube probably you can yeah. see it afterwards probably um I am on a lot of TTRPG games and I also am, I've been in a lot of indie films that most people probably will never see, but that's okay. Well, what's the um, Faith-Based? Yeah, Faith-Based is one that came out a couple years ago. That one I have yet to see, but that's the one I want to watch the most. It's fun. I enjoyed it. I I watched the movie, obviously, and I really think it's funny. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I love you. What's one, if people can walk away with one takeaway? today mm. what would you want that to be um uh don't be afraid of your your gut instinct and feeling your feelings i love that good job i love Yay. that i'm i learned that today yeah. thank you elisa <laughs> bye bye That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verde merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're 
not already, consider becoming a Patreon member. You can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner. Go to patreon.com slash you don't know Nick. And if you haven't already, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols.